continue. We're going to get right into the Word of God today. Are you ready for God's Word? We are in a series entitled First Things First. And in this series, we're talking about making commitments, important commitments in our life that can help us to make it. How many of you want to make it in life? And sometimes to get to the end successfully and to end well or to end, finish well, it, it all really comes down to those, what's first in our life? What's our priorities? What's most important? Jesus said in Matthew six thirty three, he said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else that you have need of in your life, that will be, that will come in. But the first thing is to seek first the kingdom of God. Amen. This is Jesus' way of saying the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. That's his way of saying that. And so when we keep the first things the first things, this is where we discover life as he as God intended it. Last week we talked about first love. Jesus said the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your strength. And he said the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, you can love yourself and you can love others better when you love him most or first. When we get our priority in line that it's God first and I love him first, then out of that I can love everybody else around me better. And so we talked about that last week. Today, it's going to be a little odd, but I'm going to talk about first hour. Would you say that with me? First hour. That's, and I'm talking about first hour in the sense of, <laughs> hang with me here, the first hour of the day. And um, we're going to talk about our devotional life. Or a quiet time with the Lord. I really believe that our best day and our best days begin with the Lord. Now, before I go any further, let me ask this question. How many of you in here would consider yourself a morning person? Okay. How many of you in this room would consider yourself a night owl it's almost even it's pretty close so i recognize when we start talking about morning and we start talking about putting god first in the first hour that this might be like some of you might just like check out on me but i want to encourage you yeah I'm, i am talking about you know that principle of first first things first okay so whatever time you get up, you know, that God gets that first part, like God gets the first of my finances, God gets the first of my love, God gets, you know, that principle of first, but I don't want you to get hung up on the morning as much. I, I would encourage you like this, to say it like this, if you're more of a nighttime person, if that's your best hour, then to me that's your first hour. Because God is priority, as long as you're spending time with Him. And I want to talk about this today. So uh, let me just pray, and then we'll get right into it, okay? So, Father, 
We love you, and we want to, we just, again, thank you for your presence here today, and I pray, God, for grace to come upon me to be able to communicate your word today. And I do pray, Lord, that you would speak to us day, today about our time with you and about giving you the first part of our day and the first hour of our life. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray and everybody says amen. Just so that we don't misunderstand what I'm talking about, I want to give you a definition of quiet time. Everybody say quiet time. Quiet time is that daily commitment of coming to God with a heart of worship, reading through his word, listening for his voice, and calling upon him in prayer. There's, a, there's the definition. It's supposed to come up there, Sherry. I think it's on there. There it is. No, that's not it. It's maybe. N oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I did that wrong. Let me, get, let me give you the quiet time. If you can find it, Sherry. Quiet time is that daily commitment of coming to God with a heart of worship, reading through his word, listening for his voice, and calling upon him in prayer. That's what a quiet time is. When we talk about having a personal relationship with the Lord, this is in part what we are talking about. Quiet time is a practical way of spending quality time in God's presence. Now, God gets every day and he gets all day, right? He gets all day of every day, right? But there is a, there is a necessity that he gets a certain part of our day that we can spend with him. Now, this is where I want to go, where Sherry was right and I was wrong. I did this wrong. I want to show you how Jesus uh, exemplified this in our lives. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, this is what it says about Jesus. It says, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, Jesus went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Now, if you read the tense and the mood of that scripture, Mark is not saying that this was a one-time event that happened, but he's implying that this was the practice, this was the habit, this was the ongoing walk of Jesus' life. That he would get up, he would go off by himself, he would get alone with the Father, and there he would spend time in the Father's presence. That's what he would do. And so that's how Jesus lived his life. And we see this throughout the Gospels in a variety of different places. It would say that Jesus would send the multitudes away and he would get alone. And he would be alone with the Father and he would pray and he would listen to God's voice. And, and he knew, and, and that's what helped him to function and to move in the power of the Father's name. And, and do everything that he did because he had this, this vital connection with God. So that was at the outset of his ministry. Well... Matthew shows us that near the end of his ministry, we see another episode, and this is where Jesus, the night before he was going to be betrayed, in Matthew chapter 26, verses 40 and 41, it says, Then Jesus came to his disciples, and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation... The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So Jesus was saying, guys, the most important thing is to be with me. 
And there are things coming in your life. There are things coming in your day. There are things coming around the corner, and you're not going to be ready for them unless you've watched and prayed, unless you've taken that time. And Jesus' words were, couldn't you just hang out for an hour? Couldn't you just give me that little bit of time so that you would be more able to handle what's coming? (laughs) Amen. And so wherever we see this, wherever we are in the Lord in our journey, it is imperative, like Jesus, that we must make the first thing, the first thing, and commit ourselves to seeking God. Like Jesus, uh, there are many other people in the Bible who exemplified this, and they gave their first to God in this area, and one of them is named Moses. Moses was a man of God. He was a man who met God. But, and Moses, we consider him a great uh, hero of the faith. The Israelites consider him their greatest prophet ever. But let me just kind of share with you that Moses was a very common, average guy. He was filled with human weakness. He had a checkered past. And uh, when God called him to be a deliverer of the nation of Israel... He knew, and everybody else around him knew, he was in way over his head. And it was said of Moses, though, that he was a prophet, like not like any other prophet in Israel, whom the Lord knew face to face. And why was this? Because Moses refused to be without God's presence. Moses knew he could never make it on his own strength, so he made the commitment to seek God first. And I want to show this to you in, in uh, the book of Exodus, chapter 33, verse 7. Let's uh, follow along as I read this to you. It says, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud, we sang about that today, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, They all stood and worshipped each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak with Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but the young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So we see here the first thing, according to Moses, was the most important thing. The first thing for him was to love the Lord his God. That was the first thing. But how is he going to love the Lord his God? Well, there was another first thing that was important. In order to cultivate a loving relationship with God, he had to spend time with God. He needed to be in the presence of God. And we can walk in God's presence every day, all day, but there is this idea in God's word, and we see it in the life of Moses and other people, where they spend time solitarily, in the presence of God, alone with him. And so this is what I want to talk about today. And I, I think from this passage, we 
I, I have just kind of three simple ideas to help us to, to develop a dynamic quiet time. How many of you would like a dynamic quiet time in your life? And so I want to give you three ideas out of this passage to have a quiet time. First of all, quiet time requires a disciplined place. The Bible said, now Moses used to. Everybody say used to. Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, and he called it the tent, basically, where I meet with God. And that term, used to, signifies that this was a habit in his life. This is the way he lived his life. This is what he did Routinely in his life, say daily in his life, he would do this. And the tent of meeting wasn't the tabernacle that would be built later where the priest would go in and sprinkle the blood on the, on the, the, the Ark of the Covenant. This was Moses' tent that he set up outside of the camp so that he could meet with God. So that he could worship God. So that he could get the word of God in him. Because that's where God would download his word to Moses. And he would cry out to God and seek God. And he would meditate on God. It was God's meeting place with Moses. And Moses disciplined his life to do it. Amen. And so, it's important for us to understand as Christians that discipline is an important part of a believer's life. True disciples are those who discipline their life after Jesus. The word discipline comes from the root word disciple. So you say, I'm a disciple of Jesus. Well then, it would be a good idea if we disciplined our life to be like Jesus. Disciplined our life to listen to Jesus, disciplined our life to do the things that Jesus did. Amen. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? And so Paul says in 2 Timothy 1.7, for the Spirit of God, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid or cowardly, but gives us power and love and watch, self-discipline. So God says, here, I want you to, I've called you, I've given you love, I've given you power, but in order to walk out that love and to walk out that power, you're going to need discipline in your life. One of the areas that we can discipline our life is to develop and cultivate quiet time with the Lord, meeting with Him in a solitary place daily. Amen. But there's a battle going on. How many of you know that? How many of you know the devil doesn't want you to pray and to seek God's face? Come on, how many, how many of you know your flesh don't want you to do that? Well, I'm here to tell you, your flesh don't want it. And the carnal part of you doesn't want it. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's what Jesus said. And Paul told us in Galatians that there is a war within us. And it's that war of the spirit, the spirit of God in our flesh and and the enemy plays on our flesh and he kind of gets in there and he tries to entice our flesh and get our flesh to rise up against the moving of the Holy Spirit and the will of God in our life. And so there's this battle that you and I face all the time that sometimes keeps us from leading self-disciplined and self-controlled lives. Amen. 
And so I want to talk about these battles. There's a battle for the discipline of meeting with God. When it comes to our quiet time, there's first of all the battle of the blankets. You've heard of the battle of the bulge? We're going to talk about the battle of the blankets. Sometimes we just don't want to get up. Sometimes the bed just feels really good. Sometimes it was a long night the day before. But listen, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it said, watch, a great while before morning, daylight, Jesus got out of bed and he went off and he met with the Father and he prayed. But if you read the few verses before that, it says that Jesus stayed up into the night healing the sick and casting out devils. A late night and an early morning. Amen. The point is, is that sometimes we don't want to make the simple adjustments in our life to readjust our life and say, I can, I can do things in my life differently so that I can kind of give, get up and start giving God the first part of my life and the first part of my day. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. Amen. Not the king size bed, but the kingdom. Amen. Jesus was busy all night, but he still had a place for morning. I'm not trying to put anybody under condemnation. Please hear me now. But I do think we need to be challenged, and we need to challenge ourselves for the excuses that we make sometimes. David said in Psalms 5, he said, to the Lord, give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. David said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of bed, and I'm going to seek your face. He's the King of Israel. He's like, I can't do this job without you. And you're like, well, I'm not a king. But you are, you are to take authority in your world. Amen. You're in charge. Amen. So here's another one. The battle, we, not only the battle of the blankets, but the battle of busyness. Here's what Moses would do. He would take the tent and he pitched it outside the camp. And he got away from all the hubbub of the camp life. And he would get off into a solitary place. And he would seek God. And here's what the enemy will try to do to you. Satan will try to distract you with so many things going on in your life, with so many text messages, with so many email things in your life. And he'll start to, he'll start to remind you of all the things that you got to do today. To where the busyness sets in, and I don't have time to be alone with God. Is everybody okay? This is my message today, so you're going to... And so, the Talmud, which is a um, kind of like a commentary, a Jewish commentary of the Old Testament, said, according to the Talmud, that they said that the, temp, the tent that Moses pitched outside of the camp was like up to a quarter mile away. Like he got out. Like he turned off the cell phone. 
And he didn't try to live in two worlds while he was meeting with God. And he wasn't necessarily meeting with the Lord on the donkey on the way like we do in the car because we don't have time to be with the Lord. I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm practicing on you guys what works for, this may not work in the second service, so. <laughs> Satan will try to distract you and get you all wrapped up in all the other things. It's a battle of busyness. Jesus, it says in Luke five sixteen. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Wildernesses don't necessarily always feel good. But it can be really good if it gets you alone. Amen. Then there's the battle of the blahs. Sometimes we just aren't feeling it. Come on, do I have any other Christians in the world that just sometimes... I'm just not feeling it. I'm dry. I don't know how people are whooping and hollering in church. I just feel so blah. And I get up and I look at my Bible and I'm like, come on, it happens. You're a human being. You come out of a fallen nature. Yes, you've been made new, but you still have feelings. And here's what the devil wants you to do, wants uh, to do in your life. He wants to keep you in your feels. But you can't walk by feeling. Even when you don't feel it. If you would just go there and you can even start out and say, God, I am bored. I don't, even, I don't even know if I want to be here right now. Just go ahead and be honest. He already knows. But just go. Say, Lord, but I need you. And even if I don't think I need you, I know, according to your word, I need you. Amen. And I want to just say this, and this is just a little add-on to, to this idea. Sometimes I feel like we feel the blahs because over time, if I'm soaking up God's word and I'm having some decent time in his presence and I'm getting things, if I don't put to work what God puts in me, it's kind of like the Dead Sea. I become dead. See, the key is I'm hearing God, I'm learning God, I'm loving God, I'm with God, but it's for the purpose of walking it out, living it out, loving it out, doing what God wants me to do. But if I'm not involved in the kingdom of God, if I'm not available to the house of God or to the people of God or to the world without God, then I'm going to be like the Dead Sea. I'm taking it up. But it's just dead. And maybe this is an indicator. The blahs may be an indicator that I need an outlet. I need to become more like the Sea of Galilee. Where there's water coming in and water going out. Amen. Because if I'm not giving out, I am going to become a blah. Or blob. No. So anyway. Quiet time requires a disciplined place. Number two. Quiet time requires a desperate heart. 
The Bible said that Moses, and watch, anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And I love this. And Moses would speak with God face to face as one speaks to a friend. How many want that kind of relationship with the Lord? That is available to all of us. But it says here in this passage that not only Moses, but any, it was open to anyone. Anyone wanting to be with the Lord could go there. They could go there. They could literally go there. But the passage also tells us that they would, most of them, most of them would sit at the door of their tent or stand at the door of their tent and watch Moses go off and be with the Lord. They would, they would watch him walk into his tent and the presence of God would descend there and they were standing at their tent just longing and looking. Oh, I wish I had that. Oh, I, if I had more time, if I wasn't so busy, if I, you know, if I didn't feel so dry and empty, I, you know, and we're standing here and we're watching that there. Thinking, I I can't get that. No, here's the point. If anyone wants to inquire of the Lord, they can go there. There's a guy by the name of Oswald, Oswald Sanders who said this. Everyone is as close to God as they want to be. If you don't feel close... That's not on God. That's not on the busyness of your life. That's not on your church. That's not on the government. That's not, that's not the problem of taxes. It's not, the, it's not the problem of Trump or Biden. It's my problem. Because I can be as close to him as I want to be. Because James said it like this. You draw near and he's just, re- he's just right there. He's all over it. But there is a part where the Lord is like, even though we are God's children, even though we, he loves us and we, we, may, we love him, if, we, if there's this distance in our life or we don't feel the closeness or we lost the fire or the passion, all the Lord needs to see is a step in his direction. And he's on it because he wants this. And he's like, I need you to want this. Amen. So we need to get desperate, first of all, to hear from God. Moses was a shepherd, he was a prophet, he was a leader. There is no way that he could be a shepherd of God's people. Those were some wild sheep. And there was no way that he could speak the words of God. There was no way that he could lead that nation without hearing from God. And the Bible said anyone inquiring of the Lord would go. Moses was like, God, I need to hear you. I need you to show me what to do. I don't know what to do here. I don't know how to handle these people. I don't know how to get from here to there. And he needed God's presence. And let me just remind us all here today, we all need to hear from God. Every one of us needs to hear from God. And so we need to get desperate when we go into our quiet time and we open God's word. Maybe if all you can say is, Lord, I don't know what I can get out of Leviticus, but could you talk to me today? Come on. Talk to me. 
Give me a phrase, give me a thought, give me a word, even if it doesn't come off the page necessarily. But as I'm reading, Lord, I'm, I'm plowing the ground right now. If you'll just plant the seed. Because I need to hear you. In life we can become discouraged and dry and distant. And over time our, our heart can become hardened to receptivity. And here's what happens, and I've done this. I'm pretty good by now. I've been doing this a long time. That I'm pretty dedicated to that time with the Lord and cracking the Bible and opening it and reading it. I can go through the motions, but I'm not receiving. I'm not receptive. I miss the voice sometimes. Here's what David said in Psalms 95. He says, For God is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. See, one of the things, I know sometimes it's a struggle to get there, but one of the important things about quiet time, it's if we go there often, it's a place that we, where we can be softened in our heart. But we have to kind of press into it. We have to lean into it and be honest about where we're at and just keep going there. Because God, if I'm going to receive from God, I can't allow my dryness, my bitterness, my discouragement, the distance I feel to keep me out of his presence. Amen. Hello, everybody. Are we in the room today? I need to get desperate not only to hear from God, but to encounter His presence. The people would watch Moses go in, and they would see the glory of God descend. And they knew He was in there talking with God, and God was talking with Him. And there was this friendship going on. And I think, I just want to just say something to you today, because I know that when we wake up, and especially if you're not a morning person, or whatever your version of morning is, if it's like one or two, whatever, I know that if you're not that kind of person, you're, you're like, it's kind of like me at 11 o'clock at night, or 10 o'clock at night, or, well, actually 9 o'clock at night. <laughs> I'm dead. It's like, I need to go to bed. Right? <laughs> I don't feel like, you know, so sometimes we can go into God's, you know, we can go into our devotional times and we just feel like where, you know, I just don't feel the presence of God. I just, I feel like we just need to see, I'm hoping that God will open up our spiritual understanding to see beyond the natural. That when I go to the tent of meeting, God's presence descends. I know he's in me. I know he's there. There are times when I go into my quiet time and I'm with the Lord. And this doesn't happen a lot, but there's been a few times when I'm kind of maybe feeling the blah. Or maybe I'm not feeling just anything at all. And I'm sitting there and I've done my Bible reading. And I've, I maybe sometimes will read another book or, or read a commentary along with my Bible reading because I'm a geek like that. And um, so I'll turn out the lights and I'm just kind of sitting there. 
And all of a sudden, I, in my mind's eye, I picture Jesus coming into the room. And I'm just sitting there in the dark. And I look across the room to the, to Julie's chair, the chair. And I see G, and I, and I, and I, I don't see him naturally. But this is all kind of in my thoughts. And I say, good morning, Jesus. And I thought, you know, that was just my idea to try to kind of create that awareness of presence. But I got to thinking about that. Maybe that was, maybe Jesus put that in my soul to say, Tim, I'm in the room right now. Moses went into the tent and the glory of God descended. I think God's more there than you realize. Even with everything you feel and don't feel. Don't get hung up on your feels. That's what the devil wants you to do. Get hung up on on him. Amen. On the Lord. Right? That's all I need to say about that. So we need a disciplined place and we need a desperate heart. And the third thing to have a, a dynamic quiet time is that we need a determined mind. I love how this whole thing ended. It said that Moses, he would spend time in God's presence and he went back to the camp. But watch this. The young man, Joshua, and Joshua's 40 years old, so that gives heart to a lot of us. He said the young man, Joshua, did did not leave the tent. He loved so much the encounter of God's presence and what he got out of it that he wanted to hang out. He wanted to make sure he spent more time there. He didn't want to miss anything. He didn't want to miss the presence of God. He didn't want to miss encountering God. He didn't want to miss that communion with God. And so he stayed there. In other words, the writer wants us to see that Joshua, even Joshua was so inspired by the presence of God and the example that Moses said that he said, I want more of it. I don't want less of this. And I'm in a position and a place in my life as the leader of God's army that I need his presence and his power and his guidance in my life. And so he hung out there. And this is a picture in my mind of that determination that no matter what comes and no matter if I fall flat on my face and I didn't do it yesterday, that I'm going to get up and I'm going to do it today and I'm not going to get into legalism and condemn myself, but I neither want to become laissez-faire and complacent and allow myself to be driven by my flesh rather than led by the Spirit of God. I'm determined to meet with the Lord. I'm going to meet with Jesus. Just like Jesus woke up after a long night of setting the captive free. And he said, if I'm going to be where God the Father wants me to be, I need his guidance. And I need his presence. And so I'm going to get up again early, even though I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm going to get up, amen, and meet with the Lord. To have a determined mindset, I think we need to see some of the benefits of being determined. What, what are the benefits? And so I want to just kind of end this by 
kind of sharing. I, th- this is not an exhaustive list, but these are a few things that I felt like are beneficial to us if we are determined to say, you know what, I'm going to make a habit. I'm going to discipline my life to do this. Number one, to have a, a quality devotional life. What it does for me is it establishes rhythm in my life. There's a morning and there's an evening. There's a winter, which we are in. Did you guys recognize that? And there's a spring and there's a summer. There's rhythm in nature. There's rhythm in every day. There's a morning. There's a noon. There's a, and, and, and these things don't change. There's sowing and then there's reaping. And so God wants us to have a rhythm in our life where we're living in rhythm. Amen. And I want to show you kind of what I mean by this. In, in John chapter 6, this is Jesus teaching the people. And he said, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead now. He who eats of this bread will live forever. Now Jesus is referring to the Old Testament manna, the angel's food that came down from heaven every day as the Israelites were walking through the wilderness on their way to the promised land and God provided angel's food for them. Every morning they woke up, there was food on the ground. But they had to leave their tent and go and get it. And so they would go out, and here's the other thing. Only get what you need for today. Except when it came to the day before the Sabbath, so that they wouldn't have to go out and work on the Sabbath. Basically, the Lord was saying, get what you need today. Don't worry about trying to solve all the problems in the world All your problems down the road, just get from God what you need today. Those people got the angels' food from the Lord, and they died. Jesus said, I'm the real bread of heaven. And he said, if you want to live, get in the rhythm of meeting with me daily. And eat the manna of my word. Amen. And so this will help to establish a rhythm in your life. It will also deepen your relationship with God. Having a quiet time with the Lord would de- will deepen our relationship with God. How many of us in the room want that? Jesus said in John 15 and 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nada. Look at that word, nothing. Everybody say nothing. Oh, I can do this. See, that's part of the problem. We think we got life figured out. We got saved, and then we say to the Lord, I got it from here, God. Essentially, when I don't make the commitment to meet with him, to lean on him, to look to his word, and to pray, and to cry out to him, basically, in essence, in a roundabout way, we're saying to the Lord, I got it. But here Jesus says, And these are strong words. Would you agree with me? This is really a strong word. Four of us agree agree with me. Jesus said, 
without me, you can't do anything. And so, but he said, I am the vine and you're the branches. If you abide in me, you're going to bear much fruit. Basically, it's just terminology saying this relationship would become solid. And out of that relationship will flow fruitfulness and success in life. Amen. Also, being committed to this will increase the knowledge of the truth in us. How many know that when you get saved doesn't mean you know all the truth? There's a lot of Christians that live a lot of lies. <laughs> Amen. There are a lot of Christians that are still living a lie in many areas. They they they're not they're not walking in the truth necessarily and so one of the ways hopefully on Sunday mornings and in small group gatherings and in our Awana group for little kids. We're training truth and we're helping to bring the truth of God's word, but you can't get everything you need in those hours. This is why it's important every day of our life to get up and and open God's word and read God's word. And, And as we're reading through it, and I believe we should read through God's word, and I don't want you to get bent out of shape like, am I supposed to read through it in a year? Just read, just start reading. Get as far as you can, and maybe that's four verses, or maybe that's one chapter, or maybe that's, uh, you know, I don't know what it will be for you, but I just start reading through it, and the truth of God will begin to leap into your heart. He will open up your eyes to see what the truth is, and it increases knowledge, and when I start to see the truth, then I know a lie when I see it, too. See, there's a lot of Christians that are confused. Well, I don't know. That seems so right. I mean, how could something be so wrong when it feels so right? Well, if it ain't right, you're believing a lie. Amen. Jesus said in John 8, 31 and 32, he said to those Jews who believed in him, if, that's a big if, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. But it goes back to abiding. I can't know the truth if I don't abide in the word. But when I abide in the word, then the truth becomes apparent. And out of that, I start to get set free from those things that are hanging me up. Amen, this is really, really important. My people, the Lord said through an Old Testament prophet, are dying, they're perishing for lack of knowledge. The more we read through God's word and the more we pray about it and meditate on it, our mind is renewed and our faith grows and we walk in freedom. It also renews our joy in the Lord. How many in the room would love the joy of the Lord just just on an ongoing basis? This is such a joyless world, but we need to be joyful. Amen. I love what David said in Psalm 16, verse 8. He said, I have set the Lord always before me. You know what you do when you get alone with God in a solitary place? Here's what you're doing. You're setting the Lord before you. And he says, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. The world may move, 
The world may shake. I may experience problems and attacks, but I won't be moved. And then David went on to say in verse 11 of that same chapter, he said, you will show me the path of life. Why? Because I've set the Lord before me. And he says, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Every time, and when I make the commitment to spend time with the Lord, I can leave that place in the joy of the Lord. The Bible said the joy of the Lord is our strength. And there are times we may go in sad and sour. But it can transform us if we will give time and attention and love to the Lord. Amen? And by the way, this is not just a wife thing. This is a husband thing. Just in case you don't know. And this is not an old people thing. It's a young people thing. Amen? One more, one more benefit, if Katie could come. One more benefit that I want to share with you guys, and that is that a quiet time can give direction to our life. We can get direction. I got to read this to you. It's out of Psalms 25. It's in the message translation. And um, so I, I just want you to read this. I love this. It says, God is, God is fair and just. He corrects the misdirected, sends them in the right direction. Watch, I really love this. He gives the rejects his hand, and he leads them step by step. Did he just call me a reject? And then he said in verse 14 of that same chapter, he said, God friendship is for God worshipers. They are the ones he confides in. I love that. God would meet with Moses face to face like one meets with a friend. That's his, that was his relationship with Almighty God. It was like, he was with his friend. And David wrote in Psalms 25, he says, God friendship is for those who enter into that place of worship. And he confides in them. And he shows them the way. And when you take the time to be with the Lord, the Lord's going to show you the next step. He's going to reveal to you the next step. And you can call counselors, and you can call Pastor Isaac, and you can call somebody who's a mentor in your life and say, what do you think that I should do? And really, all of us would ultimately say, ask the Lord. We can give advice, but you really want divine direction. Amen. And so... But I won't get it if I don't go there. Or I maybe will slow down the process in my life. When you go into God's presence, I want to encourage us to give Him the first part of our day. That first hour. Now, if you're here today and this is the first time you've ever heard anything like this, an hour might seem like a lifetime to you. Let me just encourage you, start slow. What can you give the Lord that you haven't so far? Could you give him 10 minutes? Like, I'm not, I'm not being facetious. Could you, could you give him 10 minutes, like maybe reading five minutes and praying five minutes and listening? And, could you give him 15? 
maybe 20, maybe 30. Maybe you'll get to a place where you hear the words of Jesus. Could you give me an hour? Amen. No legalism, no condemnation. You're God's child, but he really wants to spend time with you. Amen. He wants to be your friend. Let's all stand together. Amen. Can I have those who are going to pray for needs today to come on up and be prepared to pray? Amen. I think they're here. They're coming. Amen. I want to pray for you, and then when I'm done, if you need prayer in any way, uh, for anything in your life, you can come and receive prayer. And so, but otherwise, we, we hope that you guys will have a great day. Be in prayer for us as we go to get Daniel and bring him home tomorrow. And uh, yeah, so Father, we love you so much, and thank you for your love for us. Thank you for being our friend. Your word says there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And, and Lord, we want to practice friendship. Just every moment of every day, obviously, we want to live that out. But that kind of friendship where we sit down like we do with our husband or our wife or our best friend and say, how are you doing? How was your day? What's going on? God, that, that kind of friendship where we give time to you. I pray, Lord, that if it's a struggle in our life, I pray for a reboot in our life. I pray for a revival in our devotional life. And God, I just pray for your, your kids right now as, as they think about these things. And maybe they're solid in it, but maybe they've lost the fire in it. I pray, God, that, that there would be a rekindling of the fire of just being with you in your presence. And God, as we are with you, Pour out your joy. Direct us, God. Set us free. All those benefits and blessings that come from being with you, we receive them. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.